Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Exodus chapter 15, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel, they sang this song to the Lord. I tried to get Thomas to sing this this morning, but he wouldn't. It's, uh, it's Jewish, right? So it's got, it got that syncopated thing, right? So it's got the boom chick, you know what I mean? Why are y'all looking at me like I'm the only Hebrew here? I will sing unto the Lord. That's all you get. For he has triumphed uh, gloriously. He has hurled both rider, both horse and rider into the sea. Picture this. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is wonderful, huh? Israel singing. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. He's, then they go on. I love this. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. That's something Desert Heights would sing. Pharaoh's chariots and army. He has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. That's a really happy song. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. You with me? Because some of you are like holding the brakes. Where's he going? In the greatest of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. You unleash your blazing fury. In it consumes them like straw. Did you get that? There's all these pictures. Always this contrast of God's greatness and glory. These people are like straw. Okay. At the blast of your breath, the waters pile up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. The enemy, I'm sorry, you know that some little kid got out of line and went over to the wall and went, <laughs> Mom! Anyway, the enemy, sorry, maybe one of these days I'll grow up. Yeah, I won't. The enemy boasted, I will chase them and catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. That's what the enemy said. Verse 10, but you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. They came out to fight. God went, and they sank. Dude, it's a good worship song. <laughs> he ain't going to do it. I can't pay him enough to do it. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? It's a throwback to Egypt. Who among you is like the gods? There's no gods that, are, that can stand toe-to-toe with the Lord. Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing, a great, performing great wonders. You raise your, your right hand and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. Watch this. This is so cool. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. It's a New Testament word there. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. Now, they're talking about the promised land, but still a very New Testament concept. The people hear and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia, which is where they would be going, traveling through and toward the promised land. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab 
tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you purchased pass by. The people you purchased, again, very New Testament concept. You bring them in and plant them on your mountain. The place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary. O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. So good. Yay, God. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers crushed in, uh, rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them, putting the people of Israel... But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. The, then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. If you like tambourines, it's fine. <laughs> and Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. It's great worship. Yay, Yahweh. There's nothing our God cannot do. This is how we feel right after God has brought us through the difficult time, right? I love God. I'd follow him anywhere. He can do anything. I trust the Lord God with all that I have. Then, literally, only three days later, number three, we're thirsty. I'm sure you guys have heard that from the back seat on a long trip. Can we stop and get something to drink? Are you serious? We just left Flora Vista. We're in Bloomfield. Can we stop at the Dino Mart? No! <laughs> that's, that's funny if you know where Dino Mart is. Anyways, verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Merah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Then Moses threw it at the complaining, I mean, and to the water. And... <laughs> I'm thirsty, Moses. Plunk. Shut up. No. See, I want to write my own scripture because I think I can make it so much funner. Moses threw this piece of wood into the water, and this made the water good to drink. <laughs> it was there at Merah that the Lord sat before them the following decrees as a standard to test their faithfulness to Him going to test your faithfulness. I've done all these miraculous things. Let's see if you can be faithful and obey. He said, verse 26, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians for I am the Lord. Say this, who heals you? Isn't that incredible? 
I am the Lord. He, this hasn't even come up in the Old Testament yet about healing. But he says, if you'll do what I ask you to do, if you'll listen to my voice and live in obedience, I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Merah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Two and a half million people are sharing 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. We can do better with our camp out. All right, here we go. God had just performed this miracle with water at the Red Sea. He made the water part, stand up like a wall. Now we've decided that God cannot even provide us with a little drink. Three days later. But God does. God patiently endures these people. Surely they've learned that God is also their provider. So when they need something, instead of complaining, all you have to do is ask. But number four, we're hungry. <laughs> we're thirsty. We're hungry. Patient endurance. These kids are mine. I'm going to drop them somewhere I can't find. <laughs> I don't know. I just make it up as I go. <laughs> We're hungry. We're in Cuba. Yeah, but there's good Mexican food here. Uh, chapter 16. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and they journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Now, sin has nothing to do with the New Testament concept of sin, okay? So it's just a name. Don't read into it. Between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole company of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. For all those who complain about your spiritual leadership, you're in good company. All right, verse three. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. <laughs> oh, poor God. Yeah. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. That's a good deal. Then he says, I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. His instructions are, I'm going to feed you. Just do what I tell you to do. There's nothing bad coming. I'm going to give instructions of how you can get something good. Are we listening? I know how that goes. I will test, you in, uh, I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food. And when they prepare it, they will be, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Not Moses and Aaron, it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. Oops. What have we done that you should complain about us. Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. 
What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Then Moses said to Aaron, Moses says to Aaron, because remember Aaron's kind of the mouthpiece. Announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke, as Aaron spoke to the, commu the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in a cloud. Now, I think that if you see the glory of the Lord in a cloud, you're more prone to believe. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is this? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions that are going to bring good things to you. So listen and obey. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Yay. Some gathered a lot. Some only a little. They were told two quarts apiece. Verse 18. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept uh, some of it until morning because they thought, what if, what if God doesn't send bread tomorrow? So they kept it. But by then, the next morning, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them because they disobeyed God. Verse 21. <clears throat> After this, the people gathered the food, <clears throat> the food morning by morning, each family according to its needs. And as the sun became hot, the flakes that, had not, uh, that had, they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all of the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for, for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set it aside, set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some, some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today and you may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Now, we haven't even set up the law yet, so we don't even really understand the full complete picture of the Sabbath, but tie that in your brain because when we get there next week, maybe... 
Uh, it's going to be very important. Verse 27. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day. <clears throat> right? We know these people. Ouch. My mic is hurting my ear today. But they found no food. <clears throat> Where's all the cornflakes this morning? The Lord asked Moses. The Lord asked Moses. I think this is fun whenever God starts quizzing people. How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? <clears throat> they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. The Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers pretty good. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food that I gave you in the wilderness. When I set you free from Egypt, Moses said to Aaron, get a jar and fill it with two quarts of manna. Then put it in a sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all future generations. Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant. Eventually. See, this story is written way down the road because we don't have the Ark of the Covenant yet. He placed it in, in the Ark of the Covenant in front of the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. We don't have those yet. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Israel was hungry. They complained, not just about being hungry, but about God and Moses and Aaron. And what did God do? He patiently provided for them. Once again, not only proving that the Hebrew God is a powerful provider, but that he is a patient God. God extends his mercy, his grace, his goodness to those who have a hard time following him. Brent, that doesn't fit in with our, our Christianity of one sin, you're out. Mm -mm. God doesn't fit into our, that kind of Christianity. God over and over puts up with our nonsense, calling us back, patiently providing, healing us when we're goofballs, right? Thirsty. We're thirsty. Again, it's predictable. They just ate, so now they're going to be thirsty. Exodus 17, I got to hurry. Now we're going to go fast. <clears throat> verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 1. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water there for the people to drink. We're back to the same problem. But they've seen God provide for this problem before. So no worries, right? They know God. They've seen him miraculously provide. So they're just going to ask. And God's going to provide. Verse 2. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. The message says, shut up. No, it doesn't. I don't know what it says. I just made that up. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But, tor but tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They're ready to stone me. 
the Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. It's a brave man. Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff. And, one, and the one you used when you struck the, the water of the Nile and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told. Does anybody think that's crazy? Take your stick, find a big rock, whack it. Water's going to come out of it. God, we've lost our way again, buddy. Been out in the sun too long. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. It's important. They witnessed what just happened, what God did. He did something impossible. It's obviously not Moses. Moses named the place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued, argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, by saying, they argued and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Now we're at the end, okay? So stay with me, five more minutes. Israel tested the Lord saying, is the Lord here with us or not? I have a feeling that maybe you and I, once upon a time, have tested the Lord as well. God proves himself over and over as being powerful, as being provider, as being deliverer, as being our healer. And what do we do? We complain, we get frustrated, and we question whether or not God is here. God patiently endures our lack of faith and our complaining. No, Brent, whenever, whenever people don't have faith, God just smacks them. It's not what the history is because we're all still here. <laughs> Busted. God patiently endures our lack of faith and our complaining. That's his nature. That's who he is. He's a good God, full of grace and mercy. Now we saw the judgment back in Egypt. He's not a one single faceted God, all right? We see the judgment against the gods of Egypt, but here he is with his people. They act like knuckleheads and he goes, you know what? You're still my children, so I'm still gonna take care of you. In fact, we see the dramatic uh, uh, ending of this. We're not even at the end. We see the dra dramatic escalation of this. In Romans chapter five, I started to read all the text, but I'm gonna abbreviate it, okay? Romans chapter five assures us that while you and I were still helpless sinners, picture that, while you and I were still helpless sinners, God demonstrated his patient endurance, his love, and he sent his one and only son to die so that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be made right with God and have a redeemed relationship with the living God. While we were still sinners, while we were still complaining, while we were, while we were living in opposition, when God says, do what is right, and we said, I'm going to do what is wrong, God said, I'll send my son to die for you because you're never going to get it right. Say it kind of funny, but it's not really funny because it's true. 
He says, here's the right path. And we say, no, I'm absolutely going to do the wrong thing. And he says, the only way for me to redeem you then is for me to send my son to die in your place because you're never going to get it right on your own. While we are complaining that our life or the lives of our loved ones are going the wrong direction, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Church, God knows the right direction. Jesus is the way. He is the right way. So trust him. Where you go after that, it doesn't matter. But he's leading us into the Red Sea. So what? Jesus may lead you through the desert. He may lead you through a storm. We see that. That doesn't mean that God has lost his way. Ooh, I don't like that. No, because we want to fit God into our little box of God keeps anything that would make me feel uncomfortable from happening to me. Sweetheart, you better read your Bible because that's not the God of the Bible. Our souls are thirsty and dry. So what do we do? We try to satisfy ourselves with the things and the ideas of this world. Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, watch this, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. God knows exactly how to satisfy your soul. We hunger for meaningful life. We attempt to add value to our lives with things and socially correct contributions. Jesus says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, the undeserving world. Sir, they said, give us that, that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again. But Brent, there's so many things that I want to do that I want to fill my life with that makes me feel fulfilled. And Jesus is saying, there's one bread. There's one bread of life. You can fill yourself with all these other things. It's not going to work. There is a hunger. There is a hunger in a man that only Jesus can satisfy. My challenge to you is believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Have faith in Jesus that he is all you need. Well, Brent, I can believe him for eternal salvation because that's kind of intangible. But believing him to feed, believing in Jesus to take care of my family tomorrow, that's my job. I got to go out there and work and collect the manna and save it for tomorrow. And God says, no, it's not about you. We have the Sabbath to prove that this is all about God, not about you. Do we work the other six days? Why? Because we're being obedient. Do we take the seventh day off? Yes, we do. Why? To prove that he is Lord, not me. It's pretty incredible what God did there. He will give us eternal life. 
He will deliver us from sin. He will satisfy our hungers and he will satisfy our thirst. But all we have is the Lord Jesus Christ and he is patient with us. He's patient whenever we fail, when we don't understand, when we get frustrated that God's not doing things the way we think he ought to do. God still knows the way. God's still leading and guiding us. He's not smudging us out, thankfully, like Brent would do. He's loving us. He's dying for us. Let's all stand together. I want to pray for you. I want to challenge you this morning, if you're new to church, to Christianity, if the Holy Spirit is just speaking to your heart, this morning may be the time for you to say, Lord, I want to place all my trust in you and believe in you with all of my being. I want to put my faith in you. I want to live and follow you as best as I can by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want you to pray that in your hearts. For the rest of us, we're going to pray that we'll stop complaining and we'll start looking to the Lord for salvation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your word that is rich and true and is still living and active in our lives today. Father, help us to not be a people who complain, but help us to be a people who praise, who give you all the glory that you are so worthy of. But Father, when we do fail and we get frustrated with our situation, we are grateful that you are a patient God. We trust in you being a patient God. We trust in your mercy. We trust in your grace. We trust that whenever we fail, you still send salvation because you are a great and mighty God. You are our deliverer. deliverer. You are our savior. You're our redeemer. You are our healer. Our faith is in you and in you alone for everything in our lives. Father, we want to glorify you with all that we are. Lord, for those who are new to faith, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform hearts this morning. Lord, that you would help us to fix our eyes upon you, to surrender all of this life, to follow eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, be glorified in all that we do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.